1: Welcome into the fantasy football mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the August 6th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. Today, we have longtime friend, guy who always brings in entertaining, funny, and super smart in the fantasy football world, Derek Brown from FTN. Derek has been on the podcast multiple times. Always knocks it out of the park. Gives you a deep dive on the veterans, the rookies, the impact. Covers it all for FTN. Fantastic job. He was the FSWA DFS Writer of the Year finalist. What else can we say about Derek Brown? Follow him on Twitter at dbro underscore FFB. Derek, you're back. The mailbag. Talk to me. (laughs) Mike,
2: we're resettling this up, man. I mean, let's go. It's time, baby. We got, look. The, pre-season, the Hall of Fame games this week, man. Football is back.
1: I'm ready for it, dude. What else do you want, folks? I mean, the, the guy just brings it 24-7. Hall of Fame game. We had to have Derek on here. You're at FTN. You put it out on Twitter recently. One year anniversary. You guys are killing it. How's it going? What's new over there at Fade the Noise?
2: Oh, man. All the things, all the stuff. It's so good, man. I love working with good people on a daily basis and people that honestly my my biggest thing since getting into any of this Mike has always been like I wanted to work with people that I felt made me better or made me like where I learned things still to this day on a daily basis and that's all I could say about FTN man I mean we're doing all kinds of amazing stuff we got 40 tools that are live more of them are to come so Lots of stuff, lots of things going on. FTN data is live. I mean, look, it is a great time to be signing up for FTN, man. I love the people I work with, and I love all of the content we're putting out.
1: You were up late last night looking at Hall of Fame showdown slates. (laughs) I was up editing YouTube videos. Let's start right at the top. Carson Wentz fallout. Five to 12 weeks, Derek. Nice wide range there for us. Can't really pinpoint it there, but what's the fallout? Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to eat. Are we crowning the Titans right now? Because certainly they're the heavy favorite to win the AFC South. Talk to me about Carson Wentz and what effects that has on fantasy football.
2: I mean, I'm not really ready to crown the Titans yet. I think that their defense is still god-awful. So their offense doesn't put up enough points to sit here and make up for their defense, which... I mean, look, we're, we're bank. the Titans are banking on a, a rookie cornerback with health issues in Keller Farley and a 34-year-old cornerback at Janarius Jenkins still having some juice in his legs, which falloff for cornerbacks is real. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I'd be taking some shots at some futures on Colts. Like, if the line is moving away from them to win the division, I still think it's possible, especially if Wentz goes towards that five-week timetable and not 12 weeks then, I mean, in the interim, without Carson Wentz, I think this team is going to run, 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 and play slow, lean on their defense, and lean on the back of Jonathan Taylor, dude. Like, people, I saw it out there in the Twitter space, and people were like, well, I need to move him down, and I was like, "No, no way. in the absolute yep. hell do you do that? Like, yep. if you were worried about Naheem Hines, this should make you have felt like amazing about Jonathan Taylor. And everybody's like, well, the efficiency. And I'm like, what about the efficiency? He's going to be freaking fed. We want volume in fantasy. And you look back at Indy's history, like whenever everything happened with Andrew Luck. And no, it's not the same situation. But the reason I bring this up is because what did Indy do? They went third most run heavy in neutral game scripts. They went first in rushing rate and positive game script. They're going to run the damn ball, Mike. And so they're going to lean on the defense. Jonathan Taylor's going to get fed. They're going to try to stay in close games, play slow. And everybody's like, oh, well, the offensive line isn't as good as it used to be. I'm like, do you still remind, like, do I need to remind you that one, Jonathan Taylor is up in there in the same echelon as breakaway type of efficiency runner as Nick Chubb and two, For a Colts line that you're talking about is downgraded, degraded, is falling apart. They were 8th and 2nd level yards and 7th and open field yards last year. Top 10 and getting their running backs into space. So if they want to run the ball, I think they can do it efficiently enough to where Taylor's going to be fine, and the offense can put up enough points to win games if the defense can come through.
1: Yeah, I don't get the Jonathan Taylor fade. He's going to no. eat. He's going to eat big time. Last year, he couldn't catch, correct? That's the book on him. 36 receptions, top 20 at the position. That's more than adequate. And people are wrong <laughs> on
2: that one, man. Totally wrong.
1: I, I, he's going to get fed. The idea that if Carson Wentz is out or limited for an extended period of time, hurts Jonathan Taylor is baloney. You take Jonathan Taylor, you want opportunities. That's exactly what you're going to get. The thing that I would be a little concerned about is as we're taping here, Quentin Nelson arrived at practice wearing a boot on his right foot. I would say that's a concern. And listen, all the medical people Mm -hmm. out there get mad when I say this. I have found, Derek, that a boot is never good. I know you could say (laughs) precautionary, but if you were to do a correlation between the people wearing a boot and what happened going back to Cam Newton years ago, it's never a good thing. A barring offensive lineman, I think we're all in on Jonathan Taylor.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you lock in his volume, he's gonna get fed. And unless we are worried about Quentin Nelson, which yes, I I, I agree with the boot corollary, okay? I, I, I think that, that 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 is solid math. I, I mean, even though in previous years Kenyon Drake came out on social media and said uh, draft me if you want to win your fantasy leagues. And then everybody drafted him and said, okay, we'll fade the boot. Right. And then by week six, we're all like, oh, no, the yes. boot. Yes. Then, I mean, come on, man. I, I think that we do need to monitor the Quentin Nelson stuff. I'm glad that you bring that up because that guy, I mean, we've seen enough videos. He's a screaming banshee. Mm-hmm. Like he's their he's their heart for their offensive line. So definitely that is something to keep the finger on the pulse. And does that nudge. Jonathan Taylor, like in between, if you were at like RB twelve, does that push him to RB thirteen? Maybe, but does he fall outside the top fifteen? Not gonna do it. Aaron Rodgers, Packers, he's back. He's bringing the whole family.
1: He's getting Potsy, Ralph, Mouth, like the Fonz, whoever he (laughs) wants. He's getting Randall Cobb back in town. Trickle down, Devontae Adams, home run. Aaron Jones, home run. The forgotten man, Robert Tunyon. I know one year efficiency, but he should be going up draft boards. What do you hear, see here with Green Bay wide receiver options and, of course, the trickle down to the main guys?
2: I, I, I look so I'm still a little bit lower on Green Bay than everybody. I think everybody's a little bit over correcting back to the mean a little bit here. Um, now, now is Rodgers being back monumentous? Yes. Does that put Devontae Adams in your top three, top five wide receivers? At top three is where I lean. Yes, but. With Aaron Rodgers, there are a little bit, a few concerns here. The offensive line still lost pieces this year. We still do have. I mean, look. I mean, we're we're banking on a lot of like, okay, Randall Kopp is still going to be that guy. And I, look, I, I I can't say I'm going to full fade him because the guy looks jacked, Mike. Mm-hmm. Like he <laughs> he doesn't does. look like he's his age, man. He looks like he's 26. Yep. You know, so can he be what Green Bay needs him to be and be a stable weapon over the middle? Yes. Does that really help Aaron Rodgers? who's coming off a, a season where otherworldly efficiency, like he led the NFL in red zone passing touchdowns. He led them in multiple metrics, like deep ball percentage completed, like play action percentages. Like I am a little bit lower in Aaron Rodgers than possibly some others, but only because when I wrote them up for FTN Fantasy and I went through all the head coaching, offensive coordinator stuff, I think that Green Bay runs more in the red zone this year. They ran more in the last two seasons with LaFleur there. Their red zone passing percentage has dropped each year, and it still can go lower. Like, if you look at what LaFleur did in Tennessee, and I understand, yes, it's Tennessee, and there's differences there. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Jones is is a good back, but he's a back that's going to carry, like, 350 touches. No. But this is all to say if they run more inside the twenty. And we see more of these touchdowns go because that—that's really what the bag was for Aaron Rodgers last year. Otherworldly touchdown efficiency. If that goes back to the mean a little bit, which I mean, I think everybody's talking about that regressing some because nine point one touchdown percentage—that's got to come back. But it's the question is how far? And I'm—I'm I'm not on the like the top eight Aaron Rodgers conversation. You want to put him in the top twelve? That's fine. But he doesn't have the, the, the Konami code to get us into the top 10, top seven. And if he doesn't pay off in a crazy touchdown efficiency like last year, he ain't making top eight either. So I think that it's it's massive for the Green Bay offense, especially Aaron Jones, and having light, lighter boxes. I think it's massive for Devontae Adams and him not being DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to get volume, and he's a top 15 wide receiver just based off of talent. I think for those factors, it's big. For but for Aaron Rodgers, I'm I, look. Everybody's kind of over, overcorrecting and saying, okay, he's top seven, and I'm like, uh, I'm just, I'm not there, Mike. All right, time
1: to argue, my friend. Jalen Hurts, <laughs> you have been a staunch supporter of Jalen Hurts. I have gone against him. My issue, Derek, is this: I don't think Philadelphia is going to be very good. And with all due respect to the Blake Bortles corollary, meaning he's going to have volume, I also have a question about exactly how great the weapons are, coaching change. Listen, he has the Konami code. For me, when he was getting a QB8, QB7 for best ball, that's way too high for me. Talk me off the ledge. I will sit down here as my therapist. Tell me why I'm wrong (laughs) about Jalen Hurts.
2: Okay, it's time to let, get, get comfy, get your pillow. <laughs> Let's lay down on the couch. Let's have some therapy session here, okay? The reason I am so into Jalen Hurts is because over at FTN Fantasy, people can still go check this, Googling why Jalen Hurts is a QB1 this year. The article's out there, it's free. I went all the way back to Jalen Hurts because I think everybody's like, oh, my lord, look what Jalen Hurts did or didn't do at the NFL level. And I'm like, oh, okay. so." in an NFL season where he was a rookie and he didn't get any first team reps and he came and he played three full games on a broken ass offense with a running out to the corpse of Alshon, Jeffrey, Greg Ward. They benched Travis Fulgham, who was their best receiver. You have Zach Ertz and his now blonde hair streaking slowly down the scene. Yeah, Jalen Ertz is supposed to just like make, take all of this and say, Oh, I'm going to take these lemons and turn them into lemonade. Like, come on, man. Like, I went back through all of his collegiate passing, his accuracy, and that's the biggest knock that everybody talks about. Oh, his accuracy. Oh, he can't complete anything. Oh, he's terrible. I went back through all of his accuracy in college, going all the way back to 2016, and all I saw was a passer that got better as a thrower of the football all the way through college. And through all of these sample sizes, Mike, like I'm talking about like, his short area completion percentage, 151 quarterbacks. His intermediate, 99 quarterbacks. His, his his deep completion percentage, over 130 quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts' rankings when he came out as a prospect in 2019, adjusted completion percentage rankings out of all of those. We're talking about 100, over 130 quarterbacks at the collegiate level in all different sample sizes. His rankings, Mike, 19th, 2nd, 18th. You're telling me he was a top 20 Accuracy quarterback at the collegiate level. And we're saying, okay, a three-game sample size inside of a broken offense on a terrible team that had totally quit on the coaching staff altogether. They're misusing personnel. They're asking Jalen Hurts to basically run around in circles and throw deep. Because dot. if you look at all quarterbacks with over 100 more dropbacks, the only person that had a higher A-dot than him was Joe freaking Flacco. And all of these reasons. And Nick Sirianni and Shane Steikian coming there to Philly, I think is fabulous. And nobody talks about that. Like, Sirianni got good quarterback production out of, like, the yesteryear Phillip Rivers. Shane Steikian was the guy that was over Justin Herbert last year, and we don't hear this talked about. Like, oh, Justin Herbert's amazing. What about the offensive system that he was asked to run? And now that's in Philly. I'm all in on Jalen Hurts, man. You,
1: yeah, The one thing we agree on is I don't think they're getting Deshaun Watson. I don't know what's happening with no. Deshaun Watson, but certainly the staff and the team have started to try to do what they can to make this Hurts team as the franchise quarterback. They could have taken another quarterback if they wanted to. They could have made trades. I don't see how they're mortgaging the farm. I agree with you. I think they're all in on Hurts. I just question how effective he's going to be.
2: But I think we agreed Deshaun Watson is not going to Philadelphia. Oh, hell no, man. Like, thank God training camp started, Mike. Thank God. Because we needed something to talk about, man. Like, we got out there on the Twitter timeline and social media. Everybody's like, well, this team's got picks. Deshaun Watson will yeah. go there. Well, this team's got picks. Deshaun Watson will go there. And I'm like, there's nothing substantial linking Deshaun Watson to any of these teams. Besides talking heads saying, we have nothing to talk about. Let's talk about this. So no, I'm not on Deshaun Watson now. Deshaun Watson, could he land in Philly if Jalen Hurts stinks it up? Sure. Could he land in Miami if Tua is not the guy? Sure. Does any of those things happen probably right now? I don't think so. Like, I I really don't think Deshaun Watson plays this year. We know he's not going back to Houston. He's in camp and he's doing the right things that he needs to. He has all the other legalities and things hanging over his head. I will be surprised if Deshaun Watson laces up the cleats this year because I don't see a trade going down, not at this time of the season, and I don't see – Him playing for the Houston Texans and risking his body and saying, okay, this god-awful team, I'm going to go sit there and risk injury over... And then what? My trade value is nothing? So I I really think we don't see Watson this year. Well, what I'd like to see
1: is you with a margarita. And if I did, salt or no salt on that rim?
2: Oh, uh, me and margaritas are very, very few and far between. Uh, Me and tequila don't get along. But... When it does happen, I, I gotta go with salt, man. It has to happen.
1: I understand the tequila. It took me a while to get over that. That was a twenty first birthday thing, my friend. That that took me for a while, but you know, in a hot summer day, we've moved on. Hey, everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. you need indeed.
1: Ask Derek, Sam Darnold, keep sleeping on the New York bias. Everyone loves CMC. We love DJ Moore. Robbie's big year. But why is everyone not higher on the QB? You can't love the options
2: and not love Sam Darnold. What say you? I agree. I think people are, are too low on Sam Darnold. Like I, I'm not saying that I'm preaching that he needs to be a freaking QB one in fantasy. But do I think that he's going to be better than people think that he's going to be? Yes. And a lot of that is all of those weapons. I mean, I, I've been out there talking about, like, I think he's going to be, like, having Andy Dalton-esque year. Like, the weapons are going to hoist him up. And if that's the case, plus we we are going to see touchdowns come back to this offense, Mike. Like, you look at all quarterbacks last year, 22 of them, with 400 or more passing attempts. Only Daniel Jones had a lower touchdown rate than Teddy Bridgewater, and that's bad at 3%. So I think Darnold could walk into more touchdowns. I think this, this offense overall is primed. To see more touchdown production this year, and if Sam Darnold's going to be the quarterback, he's going to benefit from all of that. Give me two breakout
1: players. You're a great soothsayer looking ahead. You did a great job for us last year talking about where we're going to go,
2: where it's headed. Give me the breakout players this year. Two that you really like. So the two that that I, I've been trying to tell people, like, look, like you need to look into usage, and you need to look at these players, and. Some people are coming around, man. they got the smelling salts. They're they're, they're picking up what I'm putting down. (laughs) One of them is Chase Claypool. I love him this year. All of his underlying efficiency metrics are fantastic. Like, he screams breakout player. And if he breaks out, it's going to be monstrous. Amongst all wide receivers, 50 or more targets last year. Dude was 31st in yards per route run. That might not sound like it's fantastic, but he was right behind Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen. It's good company to keep. So I'm in on him. He's going to be the deep weapon. And, and even if you think that Ben Roethlisberger is 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 cooked, he can't throw deep, it doesn't matter what we think. That doesn't mean that the Steelers are still not going to throw deep, even if Ben Roethlisberger sucks at it. So give me the deep weapon in a, in a team that's still going to be, probably be top 10 in passing rate. Love Chase Claypool. And the other guy I'm going to get in here is Cole Komet. Like, everybody's worried about the specter of Jimmy Graham. If Cole Komet walks into this starter's role, and you're not paying up for Cole Komet in drafts, he's going outside the top 24 tight ends. On underdog, he's outside the top 160 players. He's free, Mike. And the upside that he presents is fantastic. Like, when Chicago, and I wrote them up for FTN Fantasy, If all of the things coalesce and they all gel, it's going to be amazing. And this is not me confirming my priors with Justin Fields, what have you. But last year, weeks 1 through 11, Chicago was first in the NFL in red zone passing rate. Do you know who was top 5 in red zone targets over that stretch? Jimmy Graham! If Cole Komet walks into this role where he is the starter and we saw him get run and routes and snaps, All of these things down the stretch. He walks into the starters role and he puts Jimmy Graham firmly parked on the bench. Cole Komet could explode this year based off of the usage and the role and the volume we could see in this passing offense. So where you're going to get him in drafts and his upside, which is still not even close to baked into his ADP. I have a lot of Cole Komet. So let's go from breakout now to overrated. Give me the one guy each
1: position, Derek, that you think people may be a little too high on. Let's start the most important one, the single-card position. Who's your overrated QB right now?
2: Uh, I, and a lot of people are making this argument because they're saying, we love all the options, we love all the weapons, why do we not love this quarterback? And I, I'm not – buying i'm not drinking the sauce on matt that's it i knew
1: you were gonna say that that's what i wanted you to say when you set
2: it up excellent yes i just i like he doesn't run man he was the qb freaking 15 last year and this is with him leading the nfl on passing attempts this is with him doing the same things that matt ryan always does like 4500 passing yards 26 touchdowns like these are in line with like career norms, maybe if you bump him a few passing touchdowns. Do we really think this passing offense is going to be that much better with Calvin Ridley, no Julio Jones, Russell freaking Gage, Zacchaeus, and a rookie Kyle Pitts? I get everybody loves Kyle Pitts. I'm not saying I'm throwing shade at Kyle Pitts, but we're asking him to be a Hall of Famer from the time he steps on an NFL field, and it's honestly not fair to the man. It's not fair to him coming into the NFL – He's going to play tight end, and if anybody wants to talk about, oh, you could have line up at wide receiver 80% of his snaps, what in the absolute hell are you looking at? Like, even the top receiving tight ends don't do that. Like, you have Anthony Furster and Mike Gusecki that line up as wide receivers in the NFL. Kyle Pitts is probably not going to do that. Travis Kelsey doesn't do that. George Kittle doesn't do that. Mark Andrews, all of these other guys don't do that. So you're expecting Kyle Pitts to just magically do that based off of what? What are you looking at that says to you that he's going to do that? Besides just pulling stuff out of the air and saying, oh, this is going to happen. Like, no, man, I can't buy the sauce on Matt Ryan. I just can't.
1: Derek, he's so polarizing. Listen, I'm a BC grad. Matt Ryan did a great job for us in school. We had a lot of big parties after the wins, did a fantastic (laughs) job. NFL MVP. His arm is not great. If you notice on his deep balls, they used to be lollipops. Listen, there's a lot of weapons there, but there are so many other quarterbacks I like. And I'm going to take it. I can skip tight end because you kind of talked about Pitts. I like Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts could be a very long, sustained success tight end, but he's being drafted at his absolute ceiling for him to pay Mm -hmm. off.
2: I just don't see it it's crazy because people are expecting the guy to be hall of fame worthy to like break records from the time he sets foot on an NFL field. And it's not that I don't think he has a path to volume. It's not that I don't think that he has a path to being great. It's not that I don't think he's an athletic Marvel. It has nothing to do with any of that, but like Russell Gage is still going to be involved in this office. Zacchaeus is still going to be involved in this offense. Hayden Hurst, for as much as everybody wants to just wipe their hands of the bust potential of last year, he's still going to be part of this offense, man. They could, they're All of these parts and pieces are going to get targets. And we don't know if Matt Ryan is going to pass at this high rate where he's going to lead the freaking NFL in passing attempts this year. Is he going to pass a good bit? Yes. But I mean, for all these reasons, and I can't draft Matt Ryan over any quarterback that has legs. I just can't do that over rushing ability, there's no way in hell, like, ECR right now, he's going as QB 14. No, thank you. He didn't even pay off that when he led the league in passing passing attempts last year. It was QB 15. So you're drafting Matt Ryan to take a step forward from what? Leading the league in passing attempts last year? That's a lot of things that are getting baked into his projection and, and his supposed upside that I just do not see. Uh, but moving over to running back, staying in Atlanta – Mike Davis, I mean, he's going as running back 24. It's an ambiguous backfield. It's an ambiguous backfield. Yes, it's people saying, okay, well, there's nobody else to get volume there. And they're saying, okay, well, he can redo what he did in Carolina last year. What he did in Carolina was all volume-based. I understand, okay, that's the argument for him this year, but he's a twenty eight year old running back that we've never seen garner and hold the job the entire freaking season. And if you want to talk about Carolina, he wore down, Mike. He wore down as the season went on, like first six games, 3.49 yards after contact per attempt was fantastic. Ninth amongst all running backs with 25 or more carries. That's great. Fantastic. The end part of the season, another six game stretch after CMC went out again after week nine at Kansas city, 2.44 yards after contact per attempt. That's not good for the people listening at home. 47th out of 63 running backs with 25 or more rushes. That puts him in the elusivity cavity of Adrian Peterson and freaking Kalen Bellage Those are not good numbers and good company to keep. I just don't know if he can hold up for the entire season, and we haven't seen any these freaking 28. So don't give me, like, I'm not drafting Mike Davis as a top 24 running back based off of, oh, there's nobody else there. And that's a big reason why you see me out on Twitter talking about Quadre Olsen. Fresh legs, big body guy, has enough speed, can play in the system. So I I don't want Mike Davis, I mean, as we're going down the positional charts here, man, two other guys that stand out to me. Debo Samuel, there's no way in hell that I can draft him at wide receiver 35. Ayuk greater than Samuel, of course, yes. Yes, well, I mean, here's the other thing, man. Do we think that San Francisco, and, and whether you're talking about Jimmy G or you're talking about Trey Lance, George Kittle is being drafted at, <clears throat> inside the top three tight ends. Devo Samuel is going inside the top 36 wide receivers. Brandon Ayuk is being drafted as a top 24 wide receiver. We think that this offense, that Jimmy G or Trey Lance, either way you slice it, can support three pass catchers, two top 36 wide receivers. Do we really, really think there's enough volume or enough efficiency when last year when these three guys played – Debo Samuel averaged 11.4 fantasy points per game. That is good for the wide receiver 49 in fantasy. That's what that would have put him at. But when he's being drafted as a wide receiver three, I just don't see the volume regardless of however you slice it to support three pass catchers in this offense. Two? Yes. Three? That is, it's shaving it too thin for a guy that has a 2.6 A dot. And over his seven games, he got two red zone targets, two, and two deep targets. So how? what's his path to being this viable top 36 wide receiver? Is he going to get touchdowns? No. Is he going to get high cholesterol targets, like Rebar likes to say, way down the field? No. So I, I, I don't see it. And to close this out here, man, like, tell me how in the hell Noah Fant pays off as a top eight tight end. You know,
1: I argue with Josh Larky about that. I like Noah Fant, but the argument is starting to sway me. It's starting to sway me, especially because clearly it's going to be probably Locke or Teddy. And you know what's interesting is I get caught up in that mistake everyone makes and I get on them. Well, let's see. I love Jerry Judy. Let's see. Sutton's going to be back. I love Noah Fant. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many guys can I love? So either the disconnect is with the quarterback or the
2: disconnect is with the receivers. So, I love Larky, man. I'm, I'm curious. What side are, are you and Larky on this? Do you see Noah Fant paying off Larky or do you see him, him as a boss? Larky
1: hates him, and I like him. And after hearing Larky and now hearing ah, what you're going to say, I'm starting to reconsider.
2: I love Larky, man. He's one of my faves, dude. I, I, I'm on that for a few different reasons. So, first of all, he was the tight end 12 in fantasy points per game last year. He's being drafted as the tight end seven. So we're drafting him above with the production that he even showed you that he can do with no Cortland Sutton last year and only Jerry Judy to fight for targets. He was sixth in targets at the tight end position, sixth in target share at 19.3%. All these reasons like he's being drafted over what he even did last year in this same offense. You have Sutton coming back. You have Teddy B or Locke, however you want to slice that. This team is going to run, 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 run the damn ball. They showed us that last year. They showed us that all with their offseason moves. Last season, Denver was sixth in neutral script rushing rate. When they got in positive game scripts, they were third. So you're talking about a team that's going to be top seven in rushing rate in both Close games and when they have a lead and their defense is going to be better with all of the signings they made in all of the offseason. Like they got Sertan, they got Darby, they've got improved cornerback play, they got Chubb, they got Von Miller, they have their offensive line coming back. Like this team is gonna run, they're gonna lean on their defense, and if we're already talking about it, and I'm giving you the concerns for passing volume in general, now you add on top. He's got KJ Hamler to deal with. He's got Cortland Sutton to deal with, and he's got Jerry Judy to deal with, and the running backs in this passing game to deal with. So how in the hell are we talking about Noah Fan as a top 10 tight end? I, I don't see it.
1: I'm hesitant to ask the next one because COVID is still lingering, but give me something that you've kind of been able to do again that we couldn't do at this point
2: last year. So my wife and I, and we've been very, very careful in distancing and stuff like that, but even going and standing 20 feet apart from people at the very, very back of a establishment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being able to hear live music again is something that I have absolutely missed. I, I am a massive, massive rock and metal head and, and not being able to go to concerts and see bands and support them. And this being their livelihood and, and, being able to support that type of, uh, of artistry has been tough. So even if you're talking about going to an establishment, that's outside open air and standing 30 feet away from people, being able to watch bands and musicians do what they do is awesome.
1: I always try to be contrarian when I can. Everyone loves anchor RB right now. It's the hot thing. So getting value in those second, third round running backs could be how the sausage is made. If you end up going wide receiver, you take Travis Kelsey, let's say, early. So I want to get your ex, some of these guys who are sort of in the middle, and there's a little shred of doubt about them. You tweet about this one the other day. Austin Eckler. We love Austin Eckler. The one-arm pull-ups, the whole thing. Great offense, franchise QB and Herbert. But is he getting the goal line touches? And if he's not, does that even matter? Where are you on Austin Eckler?
2: I think that he, based off of his passing game role, I think that he he can be a top 12 running back, top 10 running back. He could smash if he gets the red zone role. I don't think that, I, I can't definitively tell you that he's going to get the, the red zone role. That's why, like, I, I think the path for top three, top five exists for him. I'm a little more lukewarm than other people in the space because there's a lot of other running backs in that type of range like Antonio Gibson, like CEH, that I can see the path to being a smash top three upside player that go in the same round as him. Whereas like Austin Eckler, I, I, I don't, here's the thing. We know that, and we've seen it long enough, he's not going to get 15 to 20 touches on the ground. We don't want that for him anyway. So there's going to be rushing volume left over in this offense. I think there's a path, but I'm a little more lukewarm on this monstrous path than other people in the space. David
1: Montgomery bears as a whole as well. I love David Montgomery last year. I hung on to him like the Titanic sitting there saying he's going to pay off. (laughs) He ended up paying off at the end of the year. Detractors will say, Derek easy schedule, you know, once in a lifetime, he finally paid off, sell him now. Where are you on David Montgomery? Should be Justin Fields soon. No Anthony Miller. Tariq Cohen slow to come back, but now Damian Williams in there. David Montgomery's in that sort of running back crazy zone, dead zone. What do you think about him?
2: I think he's fine where he's going right now. Like I have him somewhere in the 18 to 20 range uh, on a daily basis, and I think that's fine for him. I'm not worried about Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen wasn't good the last time we saw him on an NFL field. So coming off a major surgery, I can't definitively tell you he's going to be good coming back. I do think Damian Williams being there, if he has anything left in the tank, could cut into his routes and his passing game. And my biggest concern, and I think that we could see Justin Fields, Justin Fields is going to start for this Bears franchise. It could be week one. If anything, it's going to be before week three. And if that's the case, I believe in Justin Fields and his rushing ability. And that's the biggest like, deterrent for me to bumping David Montgomery higher is him fighting for goal line carries with Justin Fields for rushing production in that sense. And that's really like, that Justin Fields is the biggest thing that I think tamps David Montgomery down for me. Because... When we saw Mitch Trubisky take take over this offense weeks twelve through seventeen, they went immensely run heavy, just trying to hide Trubisky, trying to say, "Okay, you're going to screw up a lot of stuff. Don't screw up so much stuff that we can't win the damn ball game. Please don't, please, please don't." And so I think with this offense, if Justin Fields is that guy, then we don't see that anymore. So that's why I can't go any higher on David Montgomery. But I do. I think that there is a path, Mike in all of this that I'm talking about, like, okay, prep pump the brakes. There is a path in here where David Montgomery is the unquestioned number one running back. And he still runs the routes. There is a path where he can still be the guy. There is a path where he can finish inside the top 12 to 15 running backs. If this offense is better, if fields gets done as a passer and he doesn't steal as much rushing from David Montgomery, because I love the talent. I love the kid. Like, He gets better every single year, and people just want to keep confirming the priors But oh, he sucks. Oh, he's terrible. He gets faster. You say he can't play. You say he can't play in the passing game. You say he can't break tackles. He shows you that he plays extremely well, and people still write it off, oh, because of the schedule. Do you think the coaching staff is sitting there saying, "Well, David Montgomery smashed down the end of the season last year for us. Oh, it must have been all those terrible teams we played." Yeah, we really really aren't going to buy into like feeding David Montgomery this year because the teams we played were all god awful. Like David Montgomery did so good, but it's the bad teams. Does anybody think that the coaching staff is sitting around like the campfire and saying, "David Montgomery's not that good. It's just really really all the bad teams," like all the fantasy analysts do? If Chris Carson was not a late
1: round pick and he wasn't this guy who we feel has overcome the depth chart to really make in the nfl if you just isolate chris carson situations minimal competition heavy workload three down back great quarterback we would love chris carson why does he keep slipping Derek?
2: i think it's still some of the injury narrative that floats out there which is bad to begin with Um, I'm I'm, I'm tepping on Carson only because of the, the touchdown production was really fluky last year. Um, he has two different separate sample sizes of games where he was the lead back. Uh, he has a five-game sample at the beginning of the season, five-game sample at the end. The first one, he walked into massive touchdown production, was the RB five or six, I want to say, over that stretch in fantasy points per game. But part of that, I mean, Mike, he got three receiving touchdowns. I don't think that's coming back. And, Down the the end of the year, he was the RB 25. And the volume didn't change. The yardage didn't change. It was all the touchdowns, man. So I'm not out on Chris Carson. I think that he doesn't get enough love because, honestly, as far as rushers go in the NFL, the guy has shown us over multiple seasons he's top 15 in elusivity metrics. Like some of that slowed down last year, but maybe you write that off because of injuries. But, yes, I agree with you that he doesn't get enough love for as good of a freaking player as he is. And the last
1: one I'll ask you about, I coined this last week, man, Miles Sanders, the dead zone undertaker. You like the Eagles, you like Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, uh, forget about Boston Scott. I still think he can pay off because I think he's one of the few guys, man, in this area that could be a high-end RB1. He's got the
2: talent, he should have the volume. Where are you, Miles Sanders? I'm about where where consensus is, but uh, what I will say, Mike, I I, I think he's a mid-RB too. What I will say about Miles Sanders is that people are sleeping on how explosive he is. People are sleeping on his big play ability. And if we're going to see that increase and he still gets the early down work, he got a lot of passing work with Jalen Hurts last year. Like you look at all the targets, he got targets. Why? Well, I mean, really, the biggest worry for Miles Sanders is what happens with Scott or Kenny Gainwell. Do they eat into his passing production? I see the upside path for Miles Sanders. I'm probably with consensus and saying, okay, he's probably in that 17 to 20 range for RBs right now. But am I going to push you away from the ledge and say, no, 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 no? His talent, he ain't got it. He sucks. There's no way that he could be a top 10 running back. No, I'm not I'm not going to push you away from that at all because if Jalen Hurts is that type of guy and this defense is not going to be great and Miles Sanders still has the explosive ability because the one thing that never made sense out of me from Philly last year, you'd see Miles Sanders rip off multiple 20-yard runs, a 60-yard run, and then Philly just yes. goes yes. away from him. Yes. Like, what in the absolute? man he breaks the Steelers defense in half and then he gets nine carries for over 100 yards like what are we doing here like why is he not getting a consistent 15 carries on a weekly basis if that happens with Sirianni this year then yes Miles Sanders could pay off handsomely I had
1: this question last week from Pete Aquaviva on Twitter and I'm rolling with it for the rest of the year we always hear a lot about support for our takes D Give me an argument that you say, you know what? I love this player, but if I was going to be wrong, here's the case why I'm wrong. So I'm asking you to take on the lawyer hat and build the counter argument to one of your strongest takes. What do you got?
2: (laughs) Okay. So one of my, one one of uh, my, my flag plant players, I didn't think he was going to be this year. Um, Oh, gosh, I hope hope, uh, all my friends at FTN are not listening to this because I'm going to make the opposite case. I am massively into Michael Carter this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love him. I have him ranked aggressively over at FTN. I think that the Jets are going to surprise people and how well they run the freaking ball this year. Now, with that being said, if I'm going to make the case against him, This is going to be an RBBC. The Jets are not going to be a good offense. They're going to have a terrible defense. If he's not going to get the rushing um, equity or the touchdowns and this team totally tanks and Zach Wilson looks like the scared little 12 year old in the deer in the headlights that he could be this year, then Michael Carter could be a total freaking bust. If not, Ty Johnson takes over the backfield or somebody else oh my god Mike why did you make me do that that was painful well listen misery loves company I mean, it's real man it's real misery loves company I can't stop
1: drafting Cooper Cup I see Cooper Cup with Matthew Stafford as so safe I'll make the counter argument their offensive line is old they get pushed around Stafford gets pressured the offense doesn't click Cup doesn't come anywhere near and kills about, I don't know, Derek, 92% of my best ball exposure. I love him, but like I'll join you. Like there is an out, and you have to understand the risk. The counter argument doesn't mean you change your opinion. It just means you understand what you're getting into. Andrew Whitworth, please stay healthy for me. That's all I could ask.
2: Please, pl- Stafford. Can you please just avoid helmets? Can you just stop like hitting your hand on helmets? Like, can we, can we, can we, can we not have that? Like, b- bubble wrap your damn hands when you're not throwing footballs. Stay away from opposing teams, same team helmets. Like, if we could do that, Cooper Cup Smash. Let's go,
1: sir. You do not strike me as a person who's afraid of anything. But if you were on Fear Factor, is there one thing where you'd say, you know, no thanks
2: um okay so I'm, I'm gonna push back against this can i just say hell no to all of it um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I dude i have the the when when it comes to stuff like that i have the weakest stomach and i will own up to it ever like if somebody's like okay you got to sit here and get like crushed in like like disgustingness or you got to put mm-hmm. your hands and stuff i'm gonna be gagging i'm gonna be gagging up my freaking toes in two seconds there's no way like it, it, if if any of the fear factor stuff happened I would literally be carrying a, around like a full like fledged like duct tape to my neck vomit bucket to be able to do any of that. So I'm just going to bow out on all, all of it, dude. See,
1: I expected you when I asked this question to pull like a boa constrictor out from under the table right now in the video and go, Mike, I just wrestled <laughs> this thing this
2: morning. I don't know. I <laughs> I mean, look, if you're going to sit here and like you can put me on a tightrope and I'll sit here and like jump from cars to cars. Oh. I mean, I'll do that all day long. Neil Dutton, all the Neil rest Dutton of won't stuff? do
1: that. Neil Dutton will not do that. That's the one thing. He was... I
2: will do. I'll do that all day long. <laughs> but you're asking me to eat stuff, get covered in stuff, and all this other kind of like craziness. Mm-hmm. Hell, no time for
1: redraft lightning round rapid fire man i'm going to give you two players think ppr seasonal leagues who do you like better at the adp at their value let's say let's start michael gallup wide receiver 37 third receiving option in the in for the wide receivers of the cowboys however he's climbing fast or Cortland sutton coming back from injury wide receiver 32
2: oh it's giddy up time let's see it's gallup let's go baby
1: well one for one Like both of these guys, I really am going to flip a coin. Najee Harris with the Steelers at RB13 or CEH there should be getting more volume this year, RB14 with Kansas City.
2: Shooting the upside. I love Najee this year, not fading him, but I got to go CEH. I think he's got top three, top five upside this year if all the things click.
1: Tight end. They're back to back, and I really don't know because I think one is going to get more targets and the other I think is a, a more talented player. TJ Hawkinson, tight end six. or Dallas Goddard, tight end seven.
2: Hawkinson, I think that if everything breaks right, he gets a 26%, 27% target share, and he sneaks into the top three at tight ends this year. And two
1: people on social media that I get very polarizing opinions on. Odell Beckham, wide receiver 28. Is he bouncing back? Is he pretty much finished? Or Adam Thielen, Mr. I catch a touchdown every two receptions at Minnesota, but Justin Jefferson there, not a lot of pass volume at wide receiver 23. So OBJ wide receiver 28. Thielen, wide receiver, 23.
2: I'm going to go OBJ on this one. And my ranks say a little bit opposite. But if I'm going to shoot the upside quotient for it, I'm going to go OBJ. Adam Thielen, amongst all wide receivers, 11 or more uh, red zone targets last year, converted his red zone targets into touchdowns at the highest rate in the NFL. That's not coming back.
1: You mentioned one before. You have a late round rookie pick, like round three or later, that you think is going to be a hot redraft pickup, let's say, halfway through the year or so. So like a later rookie round pick in Dynasty Leagues that you think could pop late
2: this year for us. um, There's a few different guys. Um, I want to stay on the Jacob Harris love, man. Mm -hmm. I think that the Rams are going to explode this year. I think that everybody that talks about uh, they need draft equity tied to their tight ends is not looking at where we found beautiful, wondrous athletic tight ends. Uh, Travis Kelsey round three pick George Kittle was not a high pick uh, Mark Andrews round three pick um, so if you really want to go hunting for athletic upside and a guy that is super free um, I'm either going to go Jacob Harris mm-hmm. or or I'm going to stay on the tight end position give me Hunter Long man I love him absolutely love him Kaseki's gonna be a free agent after this year they're not re-signing him um, if anything happens in that that target tree I think Hunter Long, considering have some weeks that makes make people go, ooh, look at that.
1: Man, you are nonstop energy, nonstop fun. Uh, one more question, then we'll get you out of here. I love the D. Brown Bowl predictions, and I want one this year. We're back. Fans are back in the stands. We navigated last year. Kick it off, man, for seasonal leagues. What's the Derek Brown Bowl prediction for the road of his mailbag?
2: Oh, all right. Uh, I'm going to go with my dude, and we're going to stay in Carolina. I think that Terrace Marshall is going to be a top 30 wide receiver. If you want bolder than that, he is going to be this year's Chase Claypool, baby. I think that he's got top 25 upside. I think he can lead Carolina in receiving touchdowns this year. I think he can absolutely smash. Do not sleep on him. Do not let him go undrafted in all of your redraft leagues. Enjoy the wondrous ADP on underdog. He's going outside the top. 140 players get him now. Tried my hand
1: at predicting the NFL draft, and I was pretty solid. The one I messed up on is my Terrace Marshall Love. I had him going to the Bears, (laughs) Derek. Mm. I believe in him so much. I think he's going to be a home run down in Carolina. Absolutely, folks. Derek Brown just an amazing, amazing job for us. The man he brings the energy, he brings the takes. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Check out all his stuff on FTN. Just does amazing work there. Chalk Fade was a DFS writer, finalist, fantastic guy. At Twitter, at dbro, underscore, FFB, Derek Brown, FTN. Thank you so much, my brother. Always great talking to
2: you. Thanks, Mike. This is a blast, dude. We're going to settle this up. We're going to keep it going for years and years. Absolutely.
1: Every year, my friend. You got it.